Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. All right, good morning, Milestone. Good to see everybody today. I'm really, really excited about this new building, man, this stage, dude. Hey, compared to the Taco Casa, whatever, you could land a plane up here. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. But we had posts in the other one, I remember, and it was, you know, but dude, this is just really fabulous. Really, really fabulous. Y'all did an amazing job on this building. When I, I, I was on, you know, with Jeff looking out over the field several years ago. It was the last time I was here, just dirt, rocks, trees. And then they have the beautiful driveways and all that, and you've been in it 11 weeks, so... Good job, great job, we're so proud of you. Let's give Jesus all the praise for what he's done here. Come on, everybody. So good, so good. Hey, I'm, I'm you know, as Jeff mentioned, I'm a family man and uh, I, I pasteurized for 28 years, so I'm, I'm a pastor at heart. And, uh, but you know, all my family's back home, they all are at Bethany there in Baton Rouge. Uh, my oldest son was here last night, he lives in Dallas. But the other five are there at the church. They're all in full-time ministry, all married. My last one uh, just got married last April. He cleared the treetops, and now they're expecting a baby in September. So I have 10 grandchildren. Everybody say, help him, Lord. Come on now. And uh, so I like to say I'm not just pro-life, I'm prolific as well. And so I, 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 really, I really get the whole family idea. And I'm very grateful and honored that Pastor Jeff gave me a chance to speak to you. Now, I'm a basketball fan. I played basketball in high school. I only weighed 135 pounds. I turned sideways, stuck out my tongue, looked like a zipper. You know, I wasn't that great. <laughs> but I, I love the NBA finals. And so Kevin Durant, you know, transferred to the Warriors. They won the finals Monday night. Kevin got the MVP award, held up the trophy. And something just kind of clicked because I knew I was coming here this weekend about being an MVP dad. So I'm going to speak to you this morning on how to be an MVP dad. Okay, now if I know you men are not going to take too good a note, so I wrote this as a blog at LarryStockstill.com, and you can read it later. Don't read it during the service, okay, but you can read it later. That has all the points. But I'm going to sort of open my playbook because I'm, 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 I'm looking back now. I'm 64, just made 64. So I kind of have a little bit of uh, experience and a life that I'm, I'm looking back now. I think I can condense into 30 minutes all I learned in that time about parenting. So fresh page, you know, here you go. And I'm going to give you these eight steps to being an MVP dad, okay? Here's a scripture and let's pray. Proverbs 17 and verse 6. The glory of children is their fathers. Let's pray. Father, we just really thank you so much for the Holy Spirit communicating to us your father heart, your great love. We would have never known it without the Holy Spirit. But today on Father's Day, I know people have mixed emotions and reviews about their heritage. But I ask you to heal the past and remodel the present so that you can change the future. We bind the enemy that would try to steal this word. Let it fall on good ground. Let it produce a great harvest in the families the lives and the dads that are here. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, what I'm going to do for you guys, and I'm, you know, I only have one Sunday of the year where we like specifically address men. We addressed ladies last month on 
Mother's Day. And, and, you know, so it's okay because actually I think our men love it. They crave it. And they're longing for it. And ladies actually want their husbands and their dads and all to really get something. So here's number one, if you're writing these down. I had to learn, first of all, and I'm opening my playbook for you of how I raised these kids. I had to learn that I had to be an example. Now, that's not where a lot of people start. They tell you this, you know, this and that and the other. But really what it comes down to is what you are is what they're going to become. That, that, the, that, that's the whole statement right there. You're going to be like the plate in a printing press. You know, the printing press doesn't do anything. It's the plate. It's the, it's the character's on the plate, and you put the plate in, you turn the switch on, and it starts making copies. But if the plate is wrong, all you're doing is reproducing disorder. And cancer is when you multiply disorder. So if there's something in my life that's out of order and wrong, I don't want that to multiply to my kids. That, that's the bottom line. And you know, I know I'm not perfect. If you think I am as a pastor, you just hadn't met my wife. She could sure tell you that I am not perfect. But I know that God's working in me. Now, guys, remember that any area you leave untended in your character is going to be multiplied 100 times more in your kids and your grandkids. You're going to see characteristics of yourself in your own grandkids. So, therefore, I wrote this little book called Model Man because Paul said, I'm a model to Timothy. He was okay with it. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, I want to just appreciate you guys for being here today because of your desire to change. We're not perfect, guys. God's going to be dealing with you until you go to heaven. But the first thing to remember is that kids are studying everything about you. Kids, watch how you treat your wife. I mean, I opened the door for my wife. Now, all my sons open the door for their, their wives. They've, they've been watching me for years. They watch your temperament on, on the road. You know, if you get a little upset in the left lane. By the way, the left lane on a four-lane highway was made for me. I don't know about you, but it was made for me. And if somebody just kind of goes to speed limit there, I have a very difficult time. But my kids are sitting there. And so I've had to learn, you know, in a Walmart line or whatever to control my example. And that... So when I say be an example, I played basketball in elementary school and my coach smoked. Back in those days, you know, they let him do that. And his cigarette was always bobbing out of his mouth the whole time he talked. I mean, every time, all day. So when I would go home, my parents would say, what did Coach Perino say? My lips would kind of do like his. I said, well, he, 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 he talked like this. You know, and they're like, what are you doing that for? But it was, an un, it was just uncontrollable. I was emulating my model. A professor in Bible college that I heard about was a great preacher. He kind of had long hair, and when he would really get under the anointing, he would sling his hair back. <laughs> so all the little preacher buddies, you know, years later, you could tell who was in his classes, because when they really got going, they'd sling their hair back. Even one guy was bald-headed, he'd just sling his head back. <laughs> so... It just, just point number one before I go any further is you're going to have to ask God to remodel you because in finances and everything, it's all about being an example. Number two, this is, I'm kind of giving them in stages because they get bigger. They need an authority. Kids need 
an authority, and you're going to have to be an authority. Now, I'm not talking about abusive, overbearing, overwhelming, all that, male, anything. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a position. A police officer does not have to pull his weapon constantly and do this. It's what he carries. He know, they know it's there. Authority is a position. It's not a perfection. Now, you're going you're gonna to remember that because a husband is not perfect either, yet he's in authority over his wife. They're equal in God's eyes, but he, the husband is the head of the wife, and the husband is the head of the home. Well, he carries something in authority. Now, kids are looking for boundaries. I figured that out. You think that it's abusive if you spank a child or you discipline a child, but actually they're craving someone to be an immovable object that they run right into. Boom, they, they back up like, whoa, whoa, what was that? I heard about a dad whose child was just acting up in a cafeteria, and he just finally had enough of it. He brought it out him outside, brought him around the other side of his car, and he just started spanking him, and some lady followed him out with an umbrella, and she was beating the man over the head while he was spanking the child, and the child was screaming bloody murder, and this lady was beating him with an umbrella, and finally the child just stopped completely and said to his dad, Dad, what's wrong with her? <laughs> well, see, they know. A kid, you get him a football and let him run down the field. The worst thing you can do is not tell him where the sidelines are. He wants to know where, where are the boundaries. Now, God gave his children boundaries. In Genesis 3, he didn't just say you can eat all the trees and y'all have fun. He said, there's this one tree that I'm drawing a circle around. And you know what? I created all these other trees just for you. Look at it. The whole world is just for you. But this one tree now, don't eat that one. That's a boundary. And he gave them a consequence. He said, the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, you know what they did. Like if you tell your kid, don't go past the mailbox, what are they going to do? Come on now. They're going to walk right to that line and look at you, and they're going to put a foot over that line. And they're going to see what are you going to do. Now, you don't have to get emotional. I learned that with authority. I do not have to get angry. I do not have to get emotional. I just say, oh, I see you made a bad decision. And I triggered the consequence. God forgave his kids in the garden, but he still triggered the consequence because the only thing that changes character is pain. Tweet that somewhere, why don't you? <laughs> the only thing that changes character is pain. And when they run into that authority, boom. It's really helping them to know God because you're going to run into authority eventually. You go 110 miles an hour down Keller's Main Street, you are going to find a policeman. He will find you and he will, he will put you in orange pajamas and give you three hots and a cot. That's what he's going to do. Because a, a judge will do that. No emotion needed. So my brothers, realize that God gave you that authority. Act in it. Let them feel an immovable object, and a child will grow up in control. I mean, I'm seeing them right now out of control, and I told the first service, I have this little talent. I don't know. I was born with it. I can raise my left eyebrow and leave the other one flat like that. See if you can do that. Try to do that. See, there's only a few people probably in the room that are talented to do that. But when I was at a cafeteria with my six, there's eight of us, and Joel threw a pee down the table at Jonathan. You know, little, I would call his name, Joel. 
And he'd look at me and my eyebrow would just go up like that. <laughs> and in that eyebrow, I was saying, if you don't cease in your operation and desist in your maneuver, when we get home, there won't be enough comic books for you to put in the seat of your britches when I apply the Board of Education to the seat of higher learning. That's all in that eyebrow right there. And listen, if you follow through with the consequences one time, they never do it again. So I, that's all I'm going to say is if they're out of control, it's on you. You show your authority and watch them change. Number three, I learned that I have to be a listener. And all these go together. They link up. You can't just say, well, yeah, authority, that's the key. No, 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 I'm giving you each of them. Yeah, you got to be an example. You got to be an authority, but you got to be a listener. Now, this is going to cost you some time, some capital. Some of you would rather give your kids money than give them time. But money does not mean anything to them when they're 17. They're angry at you that you didn't give them time. If you give them time but no money, they're not mad with you. So what I learned from Billy Hornsby years ago is that 15 minutes a day of quality time with each child is pretty much right. Now, the average, they say, is less than 30 seconds that parents are spending with each of their children a day. 30 seconds. That's like passing like ships in the harbor. That's all. So you don't even know they got cut from the football team. And they tried to tell you, but you got so much going on, and, I, and that's me. That was me. I was a very busy pastor, had all these things going on. So I learned sometime at night, I would sit by their bed and say, how was your day? Well, they'd always say good, but it may take about 10 minutes till the first tear shows up. Now, I'm, I'm talking to myself, but I'm talking to you too. You're going to have to give some attention. With six kids, that was an hour and a half a day. That's right. Hour and a half of my day was going to be with them, talking to them, listening to them, because I could hear. They cannot backslide if you're listening to them. Re remember that. But if you're too busy, which was me, and I had one that kind of drifted from the Lord because he wanted me to play a certain sport with him, and I didn't like it, and, and I said, I'm too busy, I don't want to do that. Well, he got involved with a couple of guys that really had bad character, and boy, did they ever mess his life up pretty bad. But it was on me because I was not paying attention. So listening is super critical. And then number four, I'm, I'm just touching on these. You're going to have to be an encourager. Yes, an example. That's important. Yes, you're going to have to be an authority. You're going to have to be a listener because they need attention. But you're going to have to be an encourager. This is one of my favorite points. I guess I've spoken on this to worldwide places more than any other thing, and that's because they need affirmation. When Jesus Christ showed up for his baptism, 30 years of age, we don't know anything about him except his 12-year-old experience in Jerusalem. 30 years of silence. He walks to the bank of the Jordan River, and John the Baptist said, I don't need to baptize you. He said, yes, you do. Fulfill all righteousness. And he steps into the water, and John puts him under the water. When he comes up, the Holy Spirit came down, and a voice spoke from heaven. His dad showed up at his big day and said, you are my son. That is identity. Half the kids I talk to now do not know their identity. You are my son. That's huge. 
And then he said, whom I love. How long has it been since one of your children heard you say, I love you? Kids are telling me now they have never heard once their whole life a parent tell them they love them. That's not supposed to be happening, guys. He said, whom I love, and lastly, that's identity, then validity, and then he said, in whom I am well pleased. That's affirmation. I'm really proud of you, Jesus. That's what the Father said to him. You've lived 30 years of a perfect life. I'm here, and I'm telling you, I'm proud of you. Now, you know, I had three sons of a well-known evangelist who died, and they were standing at his grave crying. And a friend of mine was there, and he asked him what's wrong. They said he never once told us he was proud of us. And they're in their 40s. Now, I'm I'm looking around the room, and I guarantee you there's some men in here and some ladies that have got a hole in your heart because... A dad that you really cared about never noticed what you accomplished. But I'm going to tell you today that I'm very proud of you. You could be out golfing, fishing, whatever. You're here in a service with your family. This is affirmation. This is spoken blessing, and I did it to my kids all their life. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to do a parenthesis here. I, I don't mind coming and doing Father's Day weekend, but I really came for this moment. I was here the night that your pastor and I stood out there and there was nothing but dirt on this field and he was in that strip mall and this was a big project for him thinking about moving forward. And the Spirit of God came upon us there in the dark and I prayed over him. But you know, I hadn't been back in three or four years. This is, I drove up last night and it about took my breath away. This building sitting up on this hill, 80 feet above the highway. Beautiful what y'all have done that y'all all chipped in, made this happen. But the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, let the elders who rule well be worthy of double honor. And that means they rule themselves well, they rule their family well, and they've ruled the house of God well. It says let them be worthy of double honor. Only place in the Bible where it says double honor. Only place. And then it says, especially those that work hard at preaching and teaching. Now, I really would like to just stop a minute And I'd like to recognize Jeff and Brandy Little because what I see they have accomplished with you and your help is to the glory of God. But I want to say to you, man of God, you have done an amazing job. Would you join me in giving double honor to Jeff and Brandy Little? Come on, everybody in this building. Great job, Jeff. Come on, everybody, let's really give them our appreciation. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated, and I felt that was such a heartfelt thing for them at that moment. So, you know, and he he didn't know I was going to do that, by the way. I know I embarrass the daylights out of him, but that's okay. You know, Jeff, when he's around pastors, you don't know this. But Jeff is the chairman of the entertainment committee. (laughs) But I love you, brother. You're a blessing. Just to see what God has used him to do. This is just the beginning for you guys. Amazing. Affirmation. Affirm your kids. Speak over them what they've done right. Go to their games. Put that arm around them. Say, you did a great job. That's, That's what this generation is missing. That's what they're desperate for 
right there. Number five, you're going to have to be a teacher. Now, this is, you say, well, I'm not a teacher, man. I just go to work, come back, go to work, come back. But stop and think about the skills, the life skills that you possess. What do you work with every day? You're a carpenter? You're a mortgage broker? You're a college teacher? You're a high school teacher? What? What do you do every day? You work with finances? Do you, you, you outdoor guy? You, you, you parks and recreation parks man? What, you're a camping guy? You're a golfer? What, what do you do? That's what your kids need to receive. Now, I'm a minister, so I don't know a lot about cars. I, I mean, I know how to air up tires and, you know, put in gas and change the oil and get inspection stickers, but I, I can't fix cars. Some of you guys, man, y'all know how to rebuild engines. You, you, know how, you know all about that, but your child doesn't know one thing. He's a Nintendo boy. He's in there playing Pokemon. Get him off of Pokemon and poke that mon down under the engine with you. And let him see. Let him get his hands dirty. Let him, let him get involved. If you handle money, show him how to handle money. I love that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Guy's dad didn't, didn't know anything about saving money. His friend's dad showed him how to save money, and he became a multimillionaire. Hayakawa, because a dad, not his dad, but another dad showed him how to buy property. I mean, teaching is what fathering is all about. So I taught my kids the Bible. And at 16, Joel started preaching. At 19, I went to Africa to preach in South Africa. I left the church with him one Sunday. He led the whole church, preached everything. He'd been in the ministry. He's 38. He's been in the ministry now all those years, over 20 years, 22 years. Can you believe that? So this is important, teaching and training. It says train up a child in the way that he should go. So equip them in what you know to do. Hand down the skills you know. Number six, you're going to have to be a protector. Now, a protector is like a policeman. By the way, policemen do not run around with their pistol out everywhere. The, the protector means that they are covering you. At night, you're asleep while they're patrolling your neighborhood. And if they see a guy going in your window, they're coming out of the car and they're going after you. But they don't walk in your house when they want to and eat your graham crackers. They don't do that. So protection, does, it, it's covering, it's not smothering. But I protected our children. Now, I want to I give you this, guys. You're going to have to pay close attention in today's world because with a cell phone, a child can develop a, quote, relationship almost overnight. And I remember passing by my 14-year-old's room, and I happened to notice his phone, and a note came on at the moment I walked by. It said, I love you too. And I stopped and I looked at that and I thought, well, who is that? And it was some girl. And when I picked that up, I, I couldn't get in his phone. You know, it was locked, but I, I kept it in my pocket. When he showed up, I said, who loves you too? Well, he got embarrassed. He said, it was a 16-year-old girl in the children's church ministry. They both volunteered. And she had been coming on real strong to my 14-year-old son and trying to get him in this love thing going on. And I said, you don't love anybody. You love me and your mama right now. That's who you love. <laughs> you don't love this girl. But I found out she was very, you know, kind of sleazy. And I said, this relationship's over. 
And I had a chat with her that weekend. I told her that. Well, you know what? Within a year, she was pregnant from another boy. Now, I'm, I hate that, but that would have been my son. And I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to have to protect even to the point of helping them find the right spouse. You say, well, they don't want me involved in that. You don't understand. They're begging for your advice and blessing on every relationship. When that mom were little, I would tell them, when you're older, mom and I know you best. We'll help you find the right person to marry. And they would giggle about it and all. But I remember the day Jonathan, who's now my pastor, he walked in with this girl to my office. He said, Dad, I'm real serious about this girl. What do you think? They got quiet. I said, well, I've been watching you all for months. You have the identical personality. You fight continually now. You're not even married. I don't, I don't know that that would work out all that great. You know what he said? I remember. He turned to her and he said, well, that's it. And I think they hung out for a few more weeks a little bit, but it, it was over. Well, she married another guy, and they were divorced within a year. Now, thank the Lord, Jonathan listened, married Angie. Now, she's our pastor of our church. She and him pastoring Bethany, 10,000 people. And is she ever an amazing blessing? Well, they all wanted our blessing. In fact, my only daughter, I have six kids, five sons and a daughter, was a harpist. She went to the Royal Harp academy a royal academy in london as a harpist got her masters well she met this guy over there and he bought her a home in london and proposed to her never asked me or anything well i flew over there i was preaching over there and i met him and he was not the one so i told him i said you're a wonderful guy thank you but melissa is not your husband uh, excuse me your wife you're not her, her husband and you know he looked at me and said okay well, he kept pursuing her. Well, eventually I got her back home. She said, Daddy, there's nobody in Baton Rouge to marry. I said, oh, yeah, the Lord's got somebody. Well, she got interested in my assistant. I told my assistant, I've been grooming you for three years. <laughs> I didn't even know. And I look up, and they're dating, and now they're married. They've got three kids. They're campus pastors at Bethany. And she texts me this morning, Daddy, thank you a million times for protecting me from that guy in London. Because, you know, I don't, what he's into now. But can I just tell you, protect. Protect your computer. Guys, if you have a computer that does not have a filter on it, heartbreakingly enough, a lot of kids are getting addicted to pornography on their dad's computer at home. You say, well, I don't want a filter. It kind of stops some of the websites that I like to look at. Now, wait, wait, hold on, brother. You didn't even have the Internet until Al Gore invented it 15 years ago. <laughs> You'll be okay. Go down to Lowe's, get you a ladder, and get over it. <laughs> right? Put a filter on that. I have a filter on this even. And I do in, the, in Model Man, I get into that extensively. But protect him from friends. Protect him from all kinds of things. Even I, I protected ours with, with the spend the night thing. And I, maybe you do that a lot. Be very careful because most molestation happens in a sleepover situation and it's not the people they stay with it's some cousin that shows up that you didn't know was coming well listen I just told us you just play till your tongues hang out at night and then y'all go to your separate houses and sleep in your own bed and then the next morning start all over again see be proactive when it comes to the protection as the dad you're not smothering them please don't misunderstand 
but you're not being negligent in what God has called you to do with your family. And then we come to this one, and this is very important, be a provider. I'm not going to go extensively into that, but in 2 Corinthians it says that children ought not to lay up for their parents, but parents for their children. I see parents spending all the money but they're not laying up for the next generation. And we started, I started at 24, building for retirement, which I'm 64 now, and I'm planning on retiring anytime soon. But yet, I've been saving all that and for their college, for everything. So that's a part of fathering. Hey, when they get in their 20s and they need to get married, that's about 40000 30000 Then they need a house, and they don't have the money for a down payment. And, and, and we've helped them all through education, through marriage, and through all buying a home. So then the Bible says that you leave an inheritance to your children's children. That's your grandchildren. So we're going to pray a prayer of blessing over you today at the end of the service that God will just pour out his blessing so that you can channel that to them. And by the way, don't give them everything. Teach them how to work. I remember my, my youngest child. He pulled a fuse out of an air conditioner of a neighbor. And the neighbor knocked on the door. Of course, I sent Melanie to the door. No, not really. I went. And she was upset. And I said, that's all right. We'll take care of that. We, we put the fuse back in. But it, he was in there playing Nintendo. I went turned the TV off. I said, we got a little job to do. And I put him on a month with our landscape crew at the church, 6 a.m. to 3.30. In 95 degrees in Baton Rouge temperature. It's 100% humidity. And can I tell you something? He learned how to work in 30 days. They don't know now. They really don't. So teach him the value. Teach him to tithe 10%, save 10%, and live on 80%. Teach them to tithe. I taught Joel to tithe with 10 pennies in front of him. I said, Joel, that's all your money right there. And I moved one penny to the other end of the table. I said, now that one belongs to Jesus. And he looked down there, he's only four, and he moved his little finger and he moved three of those pennies over to go with the first one. And I said, no, 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 only one out of the ten belongs to Jesus. He said, no, Daddy, Jesus doesn't have enough over on his side of the table. See, when you multiply those zeros, it gets a little more difficult, doesn't it? But teach them finances. And here's the last one, and this, this I saved, I think, the best for last. You're going to have to be a forgiver. You're going to have to let them make their own mistakes. Now, brothers and sisters, as good as our intentions, as good as our training, don't ever assume all the blame for the decisions of your children. Because you can do all seven of these things right. You can be an example. You can be a listener. You can be an encourager. You can be a disciplinarian. You can be a teacher. You can be all a protector. All of those things. And still, they make ridiculous choices. You've heard of the terrible twos. You ain't seen nothing to the terrible 20s, brother. Because they make serious decisions in their 20s and they're going to make mistakes. I remember one of my sons got away from the Lord I mentioned. Was in a car with a boy who had some drugs under the driver's seat. He was in the passenger seat. And they arrested both of them, put them in the, in the parish prison. And he called me, Daddy, I need you to come get me. I'm down here. I said, now, son, I always told you. If you ever get in orange pajamas, I'm going to have to leave you there for a while because you're doing something wrong. The other boy's dad bailed him right out, but mine, I left him there three weeks. When he came out, he got his life right with the Lord. I mean, immediately. 
He went on a program for a year. He ran it for a year, and then he wanted to go back to college, but he had failed out of LSU running with these two boys. And so we put him in a college. He was graduating, and I heard a week before that he was receiving a special award. So I flew to Florida a week early and snuck in the back of the chapel, and I heard this professor who got up and said this award for my son says, the best student we've ever had here in 15 years. And I'm sitting up on the edge of my seat because I'm thinking, wow, look what God has done. He never made less than a 99 on a test in three years. And he put a big medal around him. They said so many wonderful things about him. And then after the meeting, he went to the, to the lobby to the left. And I headed out real quick. And I, and I went into the lobby. He didn't even know I was there. And I mean, when he was touching the door to leave, he turned and saw me. And I didn't even know that humans could do this, but tears shot out of his eyes. He, he, just, he just completely broke when he saw my face. He said, Dad, I was so hoping you would be here to hear those things they were saying about me. You know what? I said, I heard every one of them, son. Let's go get some pizza. That was awesome. And he and I are like this now. It's been 10 years. Married a beautiful psalmist. He's got two children. He's a CPA. He graduated in the top 1% of 1% of the CPA test. I don't know where your kids are. I don't know what mistakes they've made. But I know they're coming home like that prodigal son. That God never stops loving us. And maybe you today. Maybe you're thinking... I'm the prodigal son or daughter. I need a father. I need the heavenly father. I need mercy. I need forgiveness. I want you to close your eyes with me right now. Just the closing moments before I pray. If you're here or you're online and you're watching this and you're thinking, wow, that's me. I'm away from God. And on this Father's Day weekend, I'd love to come back to a father who loves me. That heavenly father. Nobody's looking, but if that's you, and you would say, Pastor, include me in that prayer, and you want to surrender to his love right here and right now, if that's you, here's what I want you to do. Right in your seat, nobody's looking. This is between you and the Father. I want you to slip up your hand without hesitation. Slip it up and say, include me in that prayer. Right there. That's right. That's right. I see your hands back there. Now, now just put that hand over your heart, and let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, let your great love reach out here at Milestone this morning and just restore people back to you. The blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross tells us that you love us and that you will never let us go too far for forgiveness. So I ask you to cleanse their past, their mistakes, and I pray a prayer of blessing over every parent and every dad in this room and even every child who feels that they missed out on that, I pray a prayer of blessing that they walk out of here today knowing that you love them and that your blessing is upon their home, their family, their business, their health, and all of their life. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus all the glory, everybody. He's wonderful. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 